we've talked a lot about this uh, in a different kind of context, but it's a similar issue. Um, post-secondary, you know, I, and you just think back when we've had conversations about we don't have enough nurses, we don't have enough doctors, we don't have enough this, that, or the other. The question is, well, it's really hard to get into university and the cost of university, and we're not generating enough, you know, new recruits. And so we, we, we've talked before about some of the issues that face the post-secondary system in our country and the fact that it's not meeting the needs of us as a Canadian society and the people who would like to be involved in post-secondary education. We've got some real barriers and they're not equitable. They're not the same for everybody, uh, which is sort of the focus of our next conversation. We're going to chat with Grace Barricat. Um, Grace is a, ses- a sessional lecturer at University of Toronto and wrote a piece on this in the TAI, if you'd like to check it out. Grace, thanks so much for joining us. I appreciate you being here today. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for having me. And it's an interesting conversation, and the approach you take it on, I find very interesting, because we know we've got barriers, right, to to university participation, people being able to get involved in university, and they're not equitable, are they? No, not at all. So those are well documented at this point. We understand what those barriers are and what they look like. Um, so we are quite aware that there are, uh, you know, numerous barriers that pre- prevent people from having access or from participating uh, in post-secondary education. And when we take a look at it, in, where does it come from? Is, is, it, is it institutional? I mean, the government has, we know that funding around post-secondary everywhere in this country has really drastically reduced over the years. Right? Is that the biggest barrier? Yeah, that is one of them. Um, it's not the only barrier. I think that's, that's important to note as well, but it certainly is one of them. I mean, the cost of tuition and also the prospect of debt for those that come from financially marginalized or economically marginalized uh, families, that can be quite daunting. But there are a, a plethora of other barriers, you know, like your geographic location, whether you live in close mm-hmm. proximity to, to an institution, and of course, language proficiency and your previous schooling and parental education is a, is a really big one as well. So there are quite a few um, factors that we must con- consider when, when it comes to the barriers of post-secondary education. What's it costing us? I mean, what, what, what does this mean to us uh, as Canadians? Well, it really means that not everyone has the opportunity to participate in this venture. And as we know, the conversation surrounding education, we tend to frame education as a great equalizer, right? Whether or not that's true, I mean, that's a completely separate education. It would warrant a further conversation. But, but we know we tend to sort of uh, think of education as, as a space where people can, you know, can, can access it and then mm-hmm. they have an opportunity right to to have a better life to to incur you know intergenerational or upward social mobility to to have some upward movement um but the fact that not everyone has access to that and those that do and enter university and do the work and get the degree the fact that that still not might be the case after that um is is quite problematic and and so Obviously, we, we've established some of the demographic barriers that are in place. What does it mean in terms of the programs that people do access? Because it's not equitable there either, right? There are some programs yeah. that um, it's just unattainable, depending on those demographics. Yeah. So in the, in the report that I, um, that I, you know, that was recently published, I tried to explore what programs students are enrolled in, right? So this idea of 
is getting students enrolled enough, right? What happens once they're in? Does it matter which programs they study? What are the long-term implications of that? And so that's what I, uh, you know, took up in this in this particular report. And, uh, you know, the results that I found were uh, were quite alarming because we do know now, you know, given, given this particular report, um, that some particular students are more likely to study, uh, you know, programs that end up having, you know, leading to higher incomes right. than, than other students. In terms of, it seems like it's a lot of the specialized ones. Like if you're talking about a general arts degree, that's the kind of thing that's pretty tightly regulated, fairly accessible. But if you want to get more specialized in, you know, maybe a science course or something like that, it's a lot harder, right? And the cost can be dramatically different. Yeah, so I uh, looked at this difference between professional programs and right, regulated okay. programs, right? So here in Ontario, uh, professional programs are those considered costly to operate, those that are in high demand, um, and or those that are sort of assumed to provide high-earning employment post-graduation. So programs that, that, that folks would know that commonly fall under professional are, you know, commerce and business administration programs and mm-hmm. computer and information science and architecture and engineering, Okay, everything outside of those programs are regulated ones. So that's education, humanities, social sciences, uh, visual arts, stuff like that. Um, so the eligibility requirements in and sort of getting into professional programs are a lot more difficult than the regulated ones. In addition to that, the cost is quite higher, uh, which can also be a barrier um, for, again, for disadvantaged students. So, I mean, I, I, I can understand that there's some reason behind that. It's defensible, right? Mm-hmm. To say, well, listen, you're yeah. going to make a lot more money. You're, you're much more in demand. It's more likely you're going to get a high paying job after you complete this program. So we're going to, we're going to charge you a little bit more up front. Um, yeah. But, but you're right, it does create barriers. So what can we do? I mean, is there an answer here? Yeah, so, um, you know, uh, you, you mentioned a great point, and people often say, you know, this is going to lead to higher paying right. jobs, right? So we should charge more. But I really want people to think critically about, do we all get paid the same when we enter the labor market? We know that people suffer from different forms of discrimination and racism and sexism. So, you know, charging the same amount for each degree and expecting everyone to have the same return on that investment, again, uh, is a different story. And we can certainly have that conversation um, at another time. But to your point, Shay, uh, when you said, you know, what can be done? What can we do? Well, you know, having higher tuition for these professional programs, just just having a program that charges more um, is certainly not the answer. So this is not what we should be doing. Some of these programs do cost more just to operate. And we are very well aware of that. So we understand that some of the costs can be higher. Um, but, you know, $16,000 for a commerce, uh, you know, for a commerce course uh, degree per year, just one year of that is, is quite high. So eliminating this, these sort of program differentiations with having higher tuition fees uh, is something that we would recommend amongst many other things. I mean, Let's talk about eliminating tuition. Is there, you know, a need to have tuition fees to begin with? Is there a need um, to uh, to make education, you know, something that 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 society must pay for, that the people must pay for? Can we find other avenues and other ways um, to take this cost on? 
and, and you know, and, and it's the bottom line. It's the old argument always when it comes to this. That, uh, from from the very beginning, is we've we've fallen into a system now where the people who get these kinds of opportunities get these kinds of degrees and then go on to these kinds of jobs. It's not necessarily on merit. It's more yeah. on how much money mom and dad have that can foot the bill for this. Yeah. I mean, it's it's an artificial barrier that we don't benefit. I mean, some of our best and brightest just can't access this strictly because of financial reasons. So in the end, we lose on that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it, that's, that's such a great point because, again, education has been painted and, and, and universities specifically as well have been painted as a meritocracy, right? right? If you work hard enough, you can get anywhere you want to be. You can get any job you want to have. You can be as successful as, as you want to be as long as you put the work in. The problem is students do put the work in. Um, and unfortunately, these results, uh, the result of success is not experienced, um, you know, unanimously amongst all these students. So I guess we have to start thinking about what can we do as a society to address these existing problems. Yeah, exactly. It's a great conversation. Uh, Grace, thanks so much for being here. I really appreciate it. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.